you guys we're back with another episode of the faith as it is podcast and this is ruth joining you today with athena and we can't wait to discuss today's topic so i'll let athena review what the topic is athena hello ruth so i'm super excited for this topic we are going to be talking about the holy spirit and of course the holy spirit is inseparable from the father and the son so in talking about the holy spirit we obviously end up talking about the father and the son as well but in this particular topic we are going to discuss how they are inseparable and yet three separate persons at the same time amazing so we'll just get on with prayer and um i be uh, we'd like, we'll we'd go on saying the when creator spirit is prayer okay come holy spirit creator blessed and in our souls take up thy rest come with thy grace and heavenly aid to fill the hearts which thou hast made o comforter to thee we cry o heavenly gift of god most high o fount of life and fire of love and sweet anointing from above thou in thy sevenfold gifts are known thou finger of god's hand we own thou promise of the father thou who dost the tongue with power in view kindle our sense from above and make our hearts overflow with love with patience firm and virtue high the weakness of our flesh supply far from us drive the foe we dread and grant us thy peace instead so we shall not with thee for guide turn from the path of life aside o may thy grace on us bestow the father and the son to know and thee through endless times confessed of both the eternal spirit blessed now to the father and the son who rose from death be glory be given with thou o holy comforter henceforth by all in heaven and earth amen amen so let's jump straight into the topic the holy spirit <laughs> so we start on with our questions athena yes definitely please shoot ruth so who is the holy spirit the holy spirit who is the holy spirit what a wonderful question to begin with so the holy spirit is the third person of the holy trinity that that is pre-existent with the father and the son before the beginning of time so you might be wondering where i get this from so let me help you with the bible verse and that's one thing i want to say to you ruth and to all of our audiences just keep your bible and your ccc handy we are going to go through a lot of bible verses and we are going to see how that ties up with the catholic teaching so for now ruth can you open genesis chapter 1 Yeah. And can you let me know which version you're referring to? Which version of the Bible? So, I'm going to be using the NIV version and um it's pretty good language and it's easier to follow. So, I'm going to be using the NIV version. Yeah, that works uh, just fine. Awesome. Uh so chapter 1 verses. Just read chapter 1 verse 1. Now you can continue with verse 2 as well. Okay. Now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters 
okay great so ruth we see in chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning so what do we get to know from this verse so the answer is that we know that there was a beginning in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth so god is the one who created the beginning and the heavens and the earth so god was there before creation existed he existed before the beginning that is what we can get to know from genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and it's actually good yes. that you went on to read verse 2 as well because you see ruth over here it is clearly mentioned the spirit of god was hovering over the waters so why do you think the bible does not say god was hovering over the waters why does the bible why does moses feel the need to make this distinction between god and the spirit of god why do you think uh, because um it was uh, a different person i mean like exactly um, you are exactly other person as well oh god yeah okay that's awesome in the beginning itself i i don't think i've made this uh, distinction before not noticing the holy spirit in the first chapter of genesis itself that's very nice athena yes ruth so in genesis chapter 1 and 2 itself we see two persons in the godhead there are two persons who are existent before the beginning of time that is god and his spirit obviously when we go ahead we are going to see one more person who is existent before the beginning of time but we will come to it so right now let's just keep this in mind god and the spirit of god so that is your answer to the question who is the holy spirit he is the third person of the trinity existent with the father and the son before creation before the beginning of time awesome awesome okay so now that we know that the holy who the holy spirit is what is the role of the holy spirit athena well one more wonderful question you you have me on my toes now i have to answer all of this so i'm actually going to help you see this from the bible itself so you see over here in genesis chapter 1 verse 2 you read that the spirit of god was hovering over the waters so i want you to notice two things over here one is the word hovering i will tell you it is a very strong word and in the first five books of the bible it is used only twice we will come to the second place where the word hovering is used in a while and also notice the waters and now i want you to go on and ahead and read genesis chapter 1 verse 3 1 verse 3 is it okay hmm. and god said let there be light and there was light yeah so we see over here the spirit of god is hovering over the waters and then the creation is coming into existence through the will of god and through his power so what we can understand from reading all three verses together is that through the waters god is create the spirit of god is creating something new so when there is a new creation it is being ushered through the waters and i'll show you how this ties in with the new testament and uh, can you just read john chapter 3 verse 3 to 5 absolutely Jesus replied Very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again 
how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. So how does a person have to be born? Unless uh, born of the water and the spirit. The water and the spirit. Wow, I think this ties up with Genesis <laughs> chapter 1 verse 2 where the spirit of God is hovering about the waters and how this is an, a new creation it comes into existence. Here is Jesus through his ministry. Jesus ushers in this new creation and even after his, his complete work on the cross, one has to be born of the water and the spirit. So we see in John chapter 3 verse 3 to 5, Jesus ushering in this new creation, yet you have to be born of the water and the spirit. So in here we see that the Holy Spirit's role is to uh, create something new. And I'll show you how this ties up again in the Old Testament. Ruth, can you open Genesis 8 verse and read verse 6 to 12? Yeah. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the, in the ark and sent out a raven and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had reached from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time it did not return to him. Okay. So what I want you to note over here is that the Noah sends out a dove. Now the waters of destruction are still on the surface of the earth. So the dove returns to Noah. So the dove returning to Noah means that the, that, the, that the old creation has not yet been destroyed. The water is still there. But the second time round, when Noah sends out the dove, the dove does not return. So the dove is now out into the world, which is a sign to Noah that a new creation has been assured in. The old is destroyed. The new is now ready for you to enter. So I want you to note over here that the spirit used water to create. After that, when the spirit was fed up with his creation, the triune God, through the power of the spirit, they used water to destroy. And then sending a dove out into the world was a sign given to Noah that a new creation has been assured in. And this is exactly how it ties up in the New Testament also. Jesus, by his complete work on the cross ushers in a new creation and the holy spirit and you've got to be born of the holy spirit anointed of the holy spirit to become a part of this new creation you see the symbolic uh, you see how this whole thing ties up over here ruth absolutely it's terrific actually i mean 
so many types in the new and old testament right absolutely and i think a dove is a symbol of the holy spirit is it or not absolutely it is the and church has been teaching that and you see where we get that from over right now yep <laughs> But I actually want to give you one more reference. Why don't you open Mark chapter one? Yeah. The Gospel of Mark chapter one. Chapter one verses one okay. onwards. I want you to read Mark chapter one verse one. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Yes. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Yeah. So I want you to pay attention to the words. the beginning of the gospel about jesus christ so mark is trying to and uh, to make an analogy with genesis chapter 1 by using the same words the beginning of the gospel about jesus christ so you see here he is noting down that this is the beginning of the new creation we see in mark chapter 1 verse 1 saint mark is telling us look jesus is ushering in this new creation and next i want you to go straight to mark chapter 1 verse 9 we see how this new creation is being assured and how the world gets to know that jesus is the son of god just read mark chapter 1 verse 9 at that time jesus came from nazareth in galilee and was baptized by john in the jordan Continue. just as jesus was coming up out of the water he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit ascending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my son whom i love with you i am well pleased so do help me out a little bit over here is this a coincidence or what the waters of baptism jesus coming out of the water like noah was supposed to come out of the ark and the spirit coming on him like a dove no other bird like a dove the dove out into the world at the time of noah was a symbol that here is the new creation and the dove coming down on jesus is it a coincidence or is it a sign from the triune god that here is the new creation of the gospel of jesus christ is jesus and the holy spirit are they ushering in a new creation or what Yes, it is definitely Jesus and the Holy Spirit ushering in a new creation. Like wherever there is a beginning of something, we see the Holy Spirit and uh, and you know waters, right? In reference to water as well. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Absolutely. You just put it in the best way possible. Whenever there is a beginning of something new, the Holy Spirit is there, and I think that is why. the holy spirit is known to be the creator even in the prayer that we prayed at the beginning how did it start holy spirit blessed creator because yes. the role of the holy spirit is to give life and i'll tell you there's just there might be this one particular person who puts it in a better way than you have put it and that would be the catholic church itself so let me help you understand a little bit from the catholic ccc the catechism of the catholic church so ruth sure. can you read out the topic of the joint mission of the son and the spirit so the reference is 689 the one whom the father has sent into our hearts the spirit of his son is truly god 
consubstantial with the Father and the Son. The Spirit is inseparable from them in both the inner life of the Trinity and his gift of love for the world. In adoring the Holy Trinity, life-giving, consubstantial, and indivisible, the Church's faith also professes the distinction of persons. When the Father sends his word, he always sends his breath. In their joint mission, the Son and the Holy Spirit are distinct but inseparable. To be sure, it is Christ who is seen, the visible image of the invisible God, but it is the Spirit who reveals him. Wow, that's very well put. Absolutely. Can I continue? Uh, no, I guess that much sh should be sufficient. But you see, there is your question of what is the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to give life. And like this, uh, let me just uh, explain one particular title of the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of God or the Breath of God. Uh, do you mind if I explain that? Absolutely. Please go ahead. I don't mind. Yeah. And I'll also give you the reference in the Bible itself. So why don't you read Genesis chapter 2 verse 7? Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Yeah. So what is prominent here is God breathed into the nostrils of man and man became a living being. But what to, what is to, supposed to be noted here is that God does not have a form. He is not a physical person like all of us are. So God doesn't have a nose, God doesn't have a mouth to breathe life into the nostrils of Adam and Eve. So what does the Bible really mean when he says that God breathed life into the nostrils? So the Bible is using a metaphorical language to say that God gave life to man. So the breath of life. Sandra, what is going to happen if I don't allow you to breathe? What will happen to you? Definitely going to be dead, but okay. Exactly. So your breath, your breath is your life. So in saying that God breathed life into the nostrils of man, the Bible means that God gave life to Adam and Eve. And Lord breathing life over here, from here we get the title, the Holy Spirit is the breath of God or the spirit of God because spirit in Hebrew would mean ruh, which literally means breath. So the spirit of God is the breath of God and he is called the breath of God because he gives life. So that sums up the answer to the question, what is the role of the Holy Spirit to give life would be the one short straight simple answer. Beautiful, beautiful. I absolutely love this. That's like opening it up a lot of uh, areas, no? Like, I mean, we haven't really looked so much into these things. Uh, Sanab, Athena, uh, there is another question which comes up when you talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. How is it different from the roles of the Father and the Son? Yes. Um, I mean, I think we need some clarity on that as well. Yes, definitely, definitely. So I would go on to explain the role of the second person of the Holy Trinity that would be our beloved Jesus and then I can move on to the first person of the Holy Trinity that would be fine right? Absolutely go ahead. 
yeah but before that i am just so excited to point out something that i want to point out and it might it is not going to tie in with the topic but i really want you to read this out ruth can okay. you read genesis chapter 1 verse 27 sure so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them all right so god created man in his own image right yeah okay but it goes on to say in the image of god he created them right so who is it supposed to be a him or is it supposed to be a them or is it a mistake what is it and it goes on to say male and female he created them so what do you think this really means because this is really juggling between him and them so the bible really got to decide whether god is one or more than one what do you think this means i believe it means um points out to the three persons in god yes right exactly so it doesn't specify three in this particular verse but god created man in his own image in the image mm-hmm. of god he created them so in when this says that god created man man stands for mankind and in mankind we have two persons just like in god we have three persons god when he created mankind he made sure that it was not one person it was more than one because god the godhead is more than one and so mankind has to be more than one only then the analogy will be correct because if mankind had only one person that is not the image of god because the godhead has three persons so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them that is both men and women equality is explained nowhere better than this man and woman both are in the image and likeness of god male and female beautiful, he created them wow. okay. because mankind after all is more than one person it's male and female both so i just wanted to show you that the bible in its very first chapter talks so explicitly about the trinity about how god is more than one in person so sure sure now i'll just quickly jump to explaining the roles of the second and first person of the trinity so ruth i want you to read genesis chapter 1 verse 3 yeah and god said let there be light and there was light okay what did god do god spoke yeah and uh, created light okay god spoke all right now i want you to jump to john chapter 1 chapter 1 verses 1 onwards just keep reading in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it all right so we see in genesis chapter 1 verse 3 
God says he use, uses his words to create. And we see in John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 that it says that this word, that God, the word of God was eternal and pre-existent with the Father. And we see that the word itself was God. And through him the worlds were formed. So, are you seeing something tying up over here or should I explain further? I definitely can uh, because earlier we saw in Genesis that God spoke and he created light and here this, they talk about how God was word, right? Yeah. I catching so, it right. Okay. Yeah, you're catching it right. I'll just make it a little more explicit. So, we see that God is saying something in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 and even though it appears like the words are coming out of the mouth of God the Father, like words are coming out of my mouth right now. But that it is not what it really means. Here we see the third person of the Trinity. When God said, let there be light, it was through the power of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, that the worlds were formed and all things were created. And this is made explicit in John chapter 1, verse 1, to 1 through 3. The word of the Lord is Jesus Christ. He was there in the beginning, pre-existent with both the Father and the Spirit as we've already seen in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, that there was the Father and the Spirit. And it was through the power of Jesus Christ that everything was created. So that is the role of the second person of the Trinity, to comply with the will of the Father and usher in the creation like he did in the beginning of time like he did in the person of Jesus Christ through his complete work on the cross. And I will just give you one reference in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which confirms the same. Please open chap uh, page 85 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, is it the reference 291? Yes, exactly. You got it right. Okay. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The New Testament reveals that God created everything by the eternal word, his beloved son. In him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The church's faith likewise confesses the creative action of the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, the creator spirit, veni creator spiritus, the source of every good. Can you also read the first line of paragraph 292? Yeah. The Old Testament suggests and the New Covenant reveals the creative action of the Son and the Spirit inseparably one with that of the Father. Alright. So that is the role of the second person of the Holy Trinity. To create yes. along with God the Father and God the Son. And now that we are actually talking about the second person of the Holy Trinity. Why don't you read Genesis chapter 16 verse 7 onwards. And I will give a little background before you start reading. 
so hagar the slave lady of uh, of sarai she is pregnant and sarai is jealous of her and she has mistreated hagar and hagar is running away from her mistress because of the mistreatment and she takes rest after after running away she is taking rest and this is what is happening to her to start reading the angel of the lord found hagar near a spring in the desert it was the spring that is beside the road to shur and he said hagar slave of sarai where have you come from and where are you going okay i'm so who sorry. appeared to hagar and the angel of the lord all right just keep that in mind the angel of the lord has appeared to hagar and the angel of the lord is saying all this continue yep i'm running away from my mistress sarai she answered then the angel of the lord told her go back to your mistress and submit to her the angel added I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Hold on. Who will increase the descendants? <laughs> the angel says this. Oops. All right. So the angel and... will increase the descendants. So okay, but I was thinking that only God can create and only God has that power to help humans to reproduce and multiply but all right looks like this angel is very arrogant but please continue <laughs> the angel of the lord also said to her you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son you shall name him ishmael for the lord has heard of your misery he will be a wild donkey of a man his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers okay so looks like the angel of the lord already knows that it's a boy in the womb of hagar and how the boy is going to grow up and be so looks like this angel of the lord is a prophet as well but anyway we can continue she gave this name to the lord who spoke to her okay. you are the god who sees me continue please for she said i have now seen the one who sees me okay hold that on that is why what is hagar say talking about this angel of the lord she is saying Cause something like you are the god who sees me i have seen yep. the one who sees me what do you think this means seems like this is god he's not just a mere angel exactly the angel of the lord is the lord and we can say from the role as taken up by the angel of the lord that this is the second person of the holy trinity you see in english angel can actually stand actually angel is a word that's used for created beings but in hebrew the word malak that would mean angels just means a messenger so using the word messenger of the lord is equivalent to using something like the word of the lord and because the angel of the lord uh, or because of the role as assumed by the angel of the lord we can make out that this particular angel is not the first person of the trinity not the third person of the trinity but the second person of the trinity so we see in the no. old testament itself that god is coming into this world 
to help his own creation now that we've spoken about the angel i think we can i will also show you something more in uh, the in, while we go ahead and the role as played by the father son and spirit and i'll show you how three of them have helped uh, israel uh, take the exodus to the promised land awesome so, yes okay all right can you open exodus chapter 33 yep all right verses okay uh, you can begin with verse 2 and 3 1 2 3 all right and then the lord said to moses leave this place you and the people you brought out of egypt and go up to the land i promised on oath to abraham isaac and jacob saying i will give it to your descendants i will send an angel before you and drive out the canaanites amorites hittites perizzites hivites and the jebusites all right go up to the land yeah so who does god promise to send before his people an angel all right so here an is angel. this creation here is this one creature this one being again we saw the angel of the lord appearing to hagar and there are other times when the angel of the lord has appeared but we are jumping straight to this particular reference the god says i will send an angel before you god is going to send an angel now i want you to read exodus chapter 33 verse 13 and 14 if you are pleased with me teach me your ways so i may know you and continue to find favor with you remember that this nation is your people the lord replied my presence will go with you and i will give you rest okay wait so who so god is going to send his presence is that so yeah but and I, the presence has a capital p that's that's like a personification right yeah that capital p stands for something but i thought in exodus chapter 33 god said i will send an angel so is god going to send an angel or is god going to send his presence his angel has his presence exactly the angel of oh. the presence of the lord that would be jesus christ that is so the angel oh. of the lord the angel of the presence of the lord is the lord himself who will lead the people into the promised land so i will give you something more explicit than this you can actually go to exodus 23 verse 20 absolutely yeah see i am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place i have prepared pay attention to him and listen to what he says do not rebel against him he will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him exactly if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that i say i will be an enemy to your enemies and i will oppose those who oppose you my angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the amorites hittites perizzites canaanites hivites and jebusites and i will wipe them out yes okay so one thing i want you to note here is uh 
God is sending an angel before the people and God is saying that this angel will not forgive you your sins. But I thought that the right to forgive sins is belongs to God alone. So what does God mean when he says that this angel will not forgive you your sins? That means the angel is God himself. Exactly. The second thing to note here is my name is in him and name is has a capital n that word yeah. name here stands for essence the essence of lordship is in him which literally means he is god that this angel is the essence of god this angel is god he will not forgive you your sins this very clearly the angel of the lord is the lord himself so i just want to show you something more actually if i keep showing we can be sitting here till the end of time because this whole <laughs> thing is so explicit and what i'm actually showing you are my favorites it's just mine very personal to me these are not the only ones or even the best ones so i think we already read in exodus chapter 33 in verse 14 we read that the lord says my presence will go with you and i will give you rest we got to note that down and i want you to skip now to isaiah chapter 63 yeah this is amazing athena i mean when i have been reading i don't think i've ever caught these things <laughs> i'm just like okay angel yeah okay <laughs> Gosh, how we tend to overlook things. Absolutely. Isaiah chapter sixty-three. I want 63. you to start reading from verse nine. Okay. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. See, there is the confirmation that the presence and the angel of the Lord both are the same thing. The angel Absolutely, of yes. the presence of the Lord. Continue. in his love and mercy he redeemed them he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old yet they rebelled and grieved his holy spirit whom did they so grieve? he turned the holy spirit exactly so okay so this is a confirmation that the angel would not be the holy spirit right exactly and where was oh, the holy spirit in this entire chapter of the exodus he was amidst them we will get okay. to that of also in a while but they grieved his holy spirit note that down the angel of the lord led them out and yet they grieved the holy spirit that was among them and continue now so he turned and became their enemy and he himself fought against them yeah you need to continue till verse 16 actually awesome Then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses, and his people. Where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his holy spirit among them? Is this the part, the holy spirit being among them? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, beautiful. Who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses's right hand? Who divided the waters before them? to gain for himself everlasting renown who led them through the depths 
Like a horse in open country, they did not stumble. Like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This okay. is how you guided your people to so, make yourself a glorious name. Yes, yes, yeah. Pina. I asked you to note down, remember, in Genesis chapter, Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, the Lord says, I will give you rest. Remember yeah. That? Those yes, of you who don't remember, flip Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. The Lord says, the, the presence, his presence will go before them and I will give you rest. But Isaiah, I think he's making a mistake of what in Isaiah chapter 63 verse 14 he's saying they were given rest by the spirit of the Lord. So who is giving rest? God or the spirit? Or are they the same thing? I do not understand. Or is Isaiah <laughs> making a mistake? It's the same thing. Exactly. The triune God is leading the people into the exodus and all three of them have a role to play and we just got to not sleep while reading the bible to see how explicitly the bible talks about the three persons anyway we can continue right now keep reading look down from heaven and see from your lofty throne holy and glorious where are your zeal and your might your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us. But you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, you, Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from of old is your name. Okay, so we can stop here. But Ruth, what is Isaiah doing? He is making a distinction between the angel of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord and the father. Looks like yeah. all three of them are not the same person. And as I promised in the beginning, I would tell you about the word hover. The word hover being only two times in the entire first five books of the Bible. I want you to open Deuteronomy chapter 32. Yep. Verses? 10 to 12. In a desert land he found him. In a barren and howling waste, he shielded him and carried and cared for him. Sorry, He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. Yes. The Lord alone led him. No foreign God was with him. Oh yeah, hovers over its young. Yes, yeah. got it. So the Holy Spirit in the beginning hovered over the waters and brought in this new creation. And just like the Holy Spirit in the beginning of time hovered over the waters, he hovered over the people of Israel and, and he guarded them so much. Look at the love that the Lord has for yes. his people. He's using the analogy of an eagle. And what he makes it very clear in chapter, in verse 12, the Lord alone led them. No foreign God was with him. This shows us how inseparable the three persons of the Trinity are. They are one yeah. and three at the same time. Though they have the separate roles, the Lord alone, three of them alone led him. That would be the people of Israel no foreign god was with him so that i just wanted to especially yeah. isaiah yeah exactly. like all three persons in just one chapter so beautifully summed up exactly right? 
so we i will just sum it up for those sure. uh, we've gone too long i hope no one is confused we see in genesis chapter 1 verse 1 2 and 3 itself god the father god the spirit and the word of god which is made explicit to be jesus christ in john chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 and we see all three of them playing a part in creation god the father gives his will that is carried out by the son and the spirit which is confirmed in the catechism of the catholic church as the joint mission of the son and the spirit we see an example of that while the triune god is leading the people out of israel god the father is giving instructions to moses god the holy god jesus christ the second person of the holy trinity is going before them he is the visible god the invisible god made visible is the second person of the trinity the angel of the lord that leads the people and the holy spirit is among the people giving them rest and isaiah in chapter 63 of his prophecy sums it all up writes it down very clearly that the angel of god's presence led them out the holy spirit gave them rest and he also talks about god the father how god has been a father to the people of israel the three persons doing their three separate jobs yet inseparable and separate at the same time amazing yes yeah very well summed up athena thank you so much yes and all glory to god so, yeah so now the holy spirit still continues to have his role in our church right after the ascension of our lord he left behind his holy spirit for us so um, could you maybe help us understand that better uh, yes definitely i actually want to take the example of the mass to answer this question what does yeah. the holy spirit do in the church today so we see in the uh, in the mass in persona christi when jesus christ incarnate through persona christi the, the high priest and the lamb of sacrifice both as he is offering up the sacrifice god the father in heaven is accepting the sacrifice and at this point the holy spirit is moving among the people moving our hearts to recognize the lordship of jesus christ and through him the lordship of the triune god so that is the role that the holy spirit plays in the church today he moves wow. our hearts towards god amazing amazing beautiful <laughs> so now um we can also um we got questions from you guys our listeners and uh, so i think we begin addressing them as well yes definitely so i actually wanted to ask you first the question okay. that i also don't know so i have the first question that i have for you is that are we temples of the holy spirit even during mortal sin oh wow that's deep <laughs> that's a wonderful question actually um so when we think of it um by the virtue of baptism we become temples of the holy spirit we are invited into the family of god and each of us are temples of the holy spirit now when we commit sins per se um venial sins or mortal sins what we do is we only jeopardize the temple of the holy spirit 
but we don't stop being the temples of the Holy Spirit because by baptism, we are permanently temples of the Holy Spirit. So it's it's more about harming, you know, harming that relationship and more about jeopardizing. So the answer is, no, you don't stop being the temple of the Holy Spirit, but you do harm the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's like a wake-up call, right? Yeah, it <laughs> to is. To stop doing what we are doing and get back. Yeah, that is so, beautiful. Thank you, Sandra. No problem, Nathina. So, okay, there is one question um, that I'd like for you to address. Sure. So now, <laughs> you know how you've come to Bangalore and there's Holy Ghost Church here. Yeah. And uh, one of our listeners has been wondering why the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Ghost. Beautiful, right? Yeah, definitely. So the answer to that question is the Holy Ghost means the Holy Spirit. So we get these issues in the language of English because English is very different from the Eastern languages. So the Holy Ghost stands for the Holy Spirit or rather the Spirit of God, the breath of God. So when in English we are saying the Holy Ghost, we are actually saying uh, the breath of God is what it actually means. So I think I've already pointed out how we get to the title of the Holy Spirit being the breath of God. So just don't mm -hmm. get confused because of the language of English. Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost literally means the breath of God, the roof of Yahweh. The title right. of the Holy right. Spirit. Amazing, yeah. So, I was like, when you see it in English, it's all the same, right? Yeah, it's all the same. Like, what ghost and all that, yeah. So, my, I want you to address the next question, Sandra. So, sure. the next question okay. was, uh, was that, how do we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit when we find it difficult to meditate or listen to His voice? <laughs> oh wow this is something this is a constant struggle for everybody I guess um, so um, what I do um, want to tell the, the listener or the person who's asked this question is that it's okay to be distracted when you're trying to meditate it's you know prayer is a battle and you will have distractions so don't beat yourself about it but um, get your attention back to God right Every time we uh, get distracted, get back your attention. Now, trying to listen to the Holy Spirit is uh, a different thing. We have to keep, uh, the first thing that I would like to point out is to pray constantly, constantly seeking his help in the little things. And uh, slowly, slowly, we can start listening to his voice. You know, those uh, sudden nudges of uh, uh, like reminders not to do something or, uh, you know, to do something you get it right so that is the holy spirit speaking so but if you do want to meditate and listen to his voice there are amazing meditative prayers like the rosary for example you can start contemplating on the mysteries um if you're very distracted and can't sit through all the five mysteries um go decade by decade and space it out throughout the day it would help better and uh, you know how mother mary and the holy spirit are inseparable there's no better person you can ask for help other than Mother Mary. So it's okay to get distracted and the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Just hold on and keep listening and asking. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, that is beautiful. I would personally stick to the rosary part. Just <laughs> I don't have any other answer. <laughs> um, so there is one final question, Athena. 
Um, this comes up very often. And uh, for uh, a long time before my conversion, I have thought that uh, this was the sin that would keep us away from God. And I have feared this a lot. So the question is, um, can you explain the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? And is it an unforgivable sin? What is it? Yeah, so Jesus says in his Gospels that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an unforgivable sin. He makes it very clear that we will not be forgiven in this life or the next if we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. So in order to understand this, we got to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what his role is. Lucky for us, we just discussed both of these questions. So the Holy Spirit, the creator, the giver of life. So in when we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, what Jesus means is that when you reject this free gift of life that the Holy Spirit is giving out to you, you will not be forgiven in this life or the next. To put it very bluntly, the Holy Spirit is trying to move our hearts to accept the Lordship of Jesus and that of the Triune Lord. When we reject that, when we are rejecting the Holy Spirit's work in our life and we fail to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ and that of the Triune Lord, we are condemned to hell for all eternity. So to put it very bluntly, if the new creation that is being ushered in through Jesus and the Holy Spirit and to be born of the water and the Spirit, if we are rejecting that, then we are condemned to hell. Did I make it clear or should I go again? Crystal, crystal clear. That was good. Thank you. So we've come to the end of our email, yes. We've come to the end of our uh, questions. And um, I, I think uh, we, it's time to end this session. So we'll end with, our, with the Hail Mary. Thank you, Mama Mary, for being with us. Um, so, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much, Athena. I, I believe we have answered at least a few of, uh, of the questions that uh, our listeners would have had through this episode. And um, thank you so much for your valuable time. And uh, you guys, thank you so much for listening in. And um, our episodes are actually uh, being posted on YouTube as well. So you all can... Uh, follow in and uh, check out uh, the Faith As It Is podcast channel on YouTube. Uh, we'll link the, uh, we, we put the links in the description here. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Athena. It was wonderful talking to you and I personally learned a lot. And so uh, that's me. This is me, Ruth, uh, taking off. So you guys, I'll see you all in the next episode. Thank you for being wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you.